0: Everybody, Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. If I sound tired, it's because I am, guided all day, amazing, love it. Nothing like having the Bible in hand and being up on Mount Grisim and in Shiloh, but I am tired. God, this takes a lot out. But it was all good, and now I get to talk to Gil Hoffman, who went a little bit farther afield than I did. Uh, Gil, of course, as you all know, senior journalist, political correspondent and analyst for the Jerusalem Post for only about the last 25 years. Today, by the way, is the fifth of the second month of Adar, 5782, and we're rolling into March 8th, 2022. So, Gil, how are you doing? Where were you this week?
1: I'm absolutely wonderful and thankful to be back in the Jewish state after exciting adventures. Uh, on the border of Ukraine and Moldova.
0: Wow. Okay. Not the usual vacation joint. So, I mean, unless people have been under rocks and my listeners are never under rocks, they know what's going on. Of course, Russia invading Ukraine. Why did you go? Stupid question to ask a journalist.
1: I I was given a wonderful opportunity uh, by the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews to go witness their relief efforts Uh, for Ukrainian refugees. And I didn't only see what they're doing, I saw what uh, a lot of different organizations in the Israeli government are doing in order to help these people. I I was right there on the border, saw with my own eyes, scenes that do not belong in this century uh, that I never thought I'd see, of uh, literally hundreds and hundreds of people um, going across the border wearing uh, one small backpack or dragging along a suitcase for hours and hours and hours of walking um, in the freezing cold rain and mud.
0: But leaving their entire lives behind and just getting out by the skin of their teeth as, as refugees.
1: Including very wealthy people from uh, population centers in Ukraine, people that uh, you know, ran banks in Odessa, that uh, took whatever little money they, they were allowed to get out and, and just uh, left.
0: And have no idea if they'll ever get to go back.
1: They want to come back.
0: Right, I'm sure, it's home.
1: There are people who are relatively excited about making Aliyah, but even the people who come here, they didn't want to come here at not least like
0: now. Yeah, not one like wants this. to come running, yeah.
1: They left behind the, their homes, their families, their work uh, for an unknown period of time. People who had built up uh, careers uh, just saw it uh, self-destruct.
0: So I I I don't know if you heard what Natan Sharansky said a few days ago. It's been making its way around. For my listeners who haven't heard, of course, Natan Sharansky. One of the most famous, if not the most famous prisoner of Zion was incarcerated for many years in the Soviet Union, finally made his way, got it out after and came to Israel. And he said that when he lived in the Soviet Union, you had to have your identity on your identity card. And the worst possible designation was Jew. If you had Jew on there uh, as your ethnicity, then you couldn't get into university. You couldn't get ahead. He said this week, with all the people coming as refugees, the best thing to have on your identity card was Jew, because then you knew that Israel and other organizations were going to come and help you. And other people are not having that. Did you see that, that, that the, the real rescue efforts are coming from the Israeli government and from organizations that like the ones that sent you, and that other people are having trouble finding a place to take them in?
1: Eve, I love Natan so much. It's mostly true
0: okay
1: it's not entirely true
0: that's why i asked you good
1: so first of all the goyim are not that bad uh nowadays right it was incredible to see how the people of moldova who are not jewish uh volunteered thousands and thousands of people to help the ukrainian refugees took strangers into their homes drove their vans to the border with Ukraine and picked up refugees and said, I will take you anywhere in Europe you want. Unbelievable. Restaurants, free. Museums and wineries that are apparently a big thing in Moldova, free. They made it be that you don't have to have papers to be able to work in their country if you come from Ukraine. To try to help people out as much as they could. You had organizations like Israel aid helping people regardless of whether they were Jewish or not Jewish. So you've got Jews helping Gentiles, Gentiles helping Gentiles, Gentiles helping Jews, and and Jews helping Jews. Everybody was helping everybody. And we're not saints, incredible things that the synagogue was doing. The rabbi working 24 hours a day on Shabbat, driving to the border on his phone, constantly cooking meals for the people. All pikuach nefesh, the commandment, you know, that says that... that, uh, preserving life uh, cancels the restrictions of the Sabbath. But, but the state of Israel isn't perfect. We've got our bureaucracy and we've got uh, 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 all kinds of uh, annoying hurdles you have to cross in order to get into our country. So it, not tons sounds right, it is easier if you're Jewish, but it, it's not perfect and, and they're not so bad.
0: It's not the golden ticket. Okay, though well, that's good to hear. That's actually very, very good to hear. Look, this situation can go on for a week or two, you know, free food, free museums. But like this could be a, a permanent or long-term situation. I and mean, what do you see happening as the days go on?
1: No one knows when this is going to end. It can go on for a very long time. Putin has been preparing this for years. He's been stockpiling whatever natural resources he needs to be able to keep this going. He doesn't appear to be a, a rational or sane actor here. Uh, he's out to get revenge revenge against the Ukrainian government and Ukrainian people. I, I don't see the Ukrainians giving in too easily, even after city after city gets attacked and, and the people are suffering so much. Um, it, it's going to take a while, and that's why it is impressive that the state of Israel has let in so many people, and is playing a positive.
0: Do you see? And now I'm going to ask you, with your, you know, political analyst hat on, what do you see the Europeans doing here? Are they helping? Are they didn't take people in? Are they going to try and help the Ukrainians militarily against Russia? Like, well, how do you see this all shaking out?
1: <laughs> okay, it's a lot of questions in one there. So, mm-hmm, first but I know of all, let's, know. let's expose another lie. Okay, so uh, uh, I yell at Jacket. Our Minister of Interior said Israel is receiving more Ukrainian refugees per capita than any country in the world that does not have a border with Ukraine. Now, that's apparently not true. Germany, Czech Republic, among others, are actually accepting more. Um, And uh, we've seen uh, the Germans try to play a leading role here in mediation. Naftali Bennett, when he uh, went to uh, Putin, he went after that to the German Chancellor, who he had met with in Jerusalem only a few days before. So uh, uh, obviously, the, the Germans are playing an important role here um, uh, in terms of actually providing military aid and things like that. I, I don't know who's doing what. I just know that the Ukrainians are very disappointed in the world not stepping up. NATO um,
0: and others. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, what what's your feeling about that? You know, do you think that other countries should step in or this is going to be a domino thing and the Ukraine is first? Do you, you know, I'm going to throw a couple of questions to you because I know you can juggle this. I read an article that, like, the Taiwanese are getting all nervous because if this is what Russia can do to the Ukraine, here comes China. So, like, what is the bigger picture here, uh, like a global bigger picture that that you're analyzing?
1: Okay, so uh, I know the people in Moldova were very scared uh, that could happen to them uh, that uh, the Russians could try to conquer them too. To be honest, uh, they don't have much. I don't know why. <laughs> the Russians. Yeah, are would want much that. To them.
0: <laughs> well, I guess um, there's a good side to not having much. Okay.
1: But uh, you, you, everyone gets hurt economically. You know, for for, for Moldova, the, the their supplies come from Ukraine. Odessa is the biggest city next to them, and so now they're having trouble getting basic supplies. But uh, The world not helping Ukraine uh, sets an example. It says that superpowers uh, like Russia and China can go and attack their neighbors uh, without fear. And that's a very serious problem. It's made the world a more dangerous place. And and so the show hosts uh, here on on the Land of Israel Network, it's saying, oh, this shows how the state of Israel uh, needs to rely only on itself and on God. Uh, Are right?
0: Well, that's what, right. That, that you look around at all the treaties and all the promises, when push comes to shove, you're on your own. Uh, I think Israel probably not the only country that's sadly coming to that kind of conclusion.
1: And we saw it throughout Israeli history. If you look back to 48 when we didn't get the help that we needed, Seventy three. We got the help mm-hmm. that we needed in 73. We didn't get the help we needed from Kissinger or Jew. Um, yeah, the, the history does. We need to rely on ourselves.
0: That's the way it's appearing. Hopefully it won't get to that. What do you make of the you know, Bennett, of Naftali Bennett, our prime minister, going and meeting with Putin? There's a whole lot of chit chat going on on either side. People saying it was the most brilliant move ever. Other people saying he had no choice when Putin says, come, you go. Other people saying he's trying to insert himself into something that he should just stay out of and everything in between.
1: Am I allowed to say a positive thing about Nathalie Bennett on the land of Israel Network?
0: I voted for the guy. I mean, my listeners know that. Am I disappointed in what's going on in this government? hundred um, percent. Do I still hopefully have somewhat of a nuanced view and don't think that he's like the worst thing to ever walk the earth? Yeah. So please go ahead.
1: Well, I think, first of all, it's really cool that we're Switzerland for once. You know, every conflict, we've been involved in one way or another, and here we're we're not. I, you know, I know that there are people who are ashamed that, that we didn't immediately fully take the Ukrainian side because the justice is on the Ukrainian side and, and Putin is an evil dictator and a murderer and everything. But because we were briefly Switzerland, we were able to play this mediator role that, that no one else was playing in a serious kind of way. No one else was meeting with Putin. Of course, they were choosing not to meet with Putin. But uh, No one else was doing this shuttle diplomacy, and uh, Israel could do that because it had the trust of both sides. And Bennett could do that because in the short period of time he'd been prime minister uh, in his talks with both Putin and Zelensky had built that trust. And now Zelensky was right to uh, say he was disappointed uh, with Bennett uh, not immediately taking his side, especially with him as a, a proud Jew who himself himself has visited the Western Wall and everything. Um, so on the one, I totally understand both sides. I understand the sides, people saying, great, Bennett giving it a try. Let's hope he wins the Nobel Peace Prize for the good of mankind and resolves a dispute. And I can understand the people who say uh, in Hebrew, Miu who, who the heck does he think he is? You know, that, that he's overstepping his bounds uh, this uh, guy who only has uh, six mandates as prime minister out of 120 and, and can't even pass the, the um, bills that his entire coalition unites around. He failed to pass today in, in the last day of voting uh, in uh, on coalition bills before the Knesset goes on its spring recess. So uh, both sides make sense.
0: Right. Well, and then there's people saying that if he fails, it could you know, there could be some backlash against Israel if he's in there and something doesn't work out. And that's also well, one.
1: Of the Macron things. failed two weeks ago. I don't know if it hurt him politically within France, but no one's gonna say that uh, France is humiliated.
0: So, I mean, I, I've been getting, cause I'm I'm getting much more cynical as the years yeah. go on about the new, no, sorry, and I know you're a journalist and you're one of the few journalists that I actually trust. Cause I, you know, you get a little cynical, you start reading between the lines. And uh, look, at the. It seems like a lot of the press is taking the line that anything the Russians say is propaganda and anything the Ukrainians say is like Torah from Sinai. And I'm listening to some of the reports coming out. I'm watching Zelensky also sometimes. And I'm thinking, I mean, he is an actor and I'm not so sure that one side is like all righteousness and the other side is all evil. Obviously, Russia doesn't have the right to come in and take over a country. And the bottom line is you can't do that. But um, like, can you tell us like, what's your sense of, of, of what's happening here? Because as a journalist, you need your sources as well, right? In order to, to write up what you write up and analyze what you analyze.
1: Putin's an evil dictator <laughs> and uh, the Ukrainian people are suffering, did not want this war and are uh, indisputable facts.
0: Okay. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm saying that as someone who, you know, I, I every Jew comes with his background and his baggage and his history. My own great grandparents were murdered by Ukrainians. My uh, grandfather told me Ukrainians were worse than Nazis uh, when, when he survived the war. Um, so, uh, and yet uh, we're in a different era right now, and there's a bad guy, and it's Russia
0: right okay no that's that's super important to hear so one more question and i'll let you go so you met with a lot of the refugees the people of course you didn't meet They're the ones who stayed home um are the people who decided to flee with as you said like basically the clothes on their back and that's pretty much it d- did they say what pushed them to go while but i would still imagine the majority of ukrainians haven't left I don't know if they're afraid to go out into the, ba- you know, to get to the border. You have to cross some battle lines, I would imagine. Are they not leaving because they're afraid to get to the border? Are they not leaving because they hope it's going to be over soon or they have property that they don't want to leave? Or is a combination of all those factors? Is there one thing that kind of sticks out to you why certain people have fled and why others haven't?
1: Eve, what I saw was absolutely incredible. I uh, went to Chabad for, um, and lunch uh, on Shabbat. And it it was full of uh, Chabad rabbis who had fled from the Ukraine, each of whom had led very large communities. And they first made sure that their entire community would leave safely and soundly. And then they themselves came, carrying their Torah scrolls from their synagogue, not knowing if they would return. I um, mean, there's there's one rabbi who uh, built up a community in Donetsk, uh, which uh, had to be evacuated when the last war in 2014 and then built up a community in Kiev and had to leave there now and has no idea where he's going. Um, and uh, the last uh, big rabbi there in uh, Kiev um He closed things down and made his way on Shabbat after Shabbat had come in. Only then he managed to get in across the border. He made it across the border and texted the consul in Moldova to thank him for helping him across. You know, I know that you have to drive on Shabbat to save a life and cook on Shabbat but a text message saying, thank you. I, I, I didn't know that that was permitted, but it's beautiful. Um, and uh, so to, to credit the rabbi Wolf um, for doing that. Um, so sometimes it, it takes time to, to back up your life in your community and go, and yes, it was not safe to go. There it was a Jew Roman Brodsky in Israeli Citizen who was trying to make his way to the Moldovan border, and he was murdered for the crime of, of looking Chechnyan in his car. So it, it's really, really a scary situation. And, and if you said that was the last question, so working uh, the, the last thing before I go is that for me to see these Chabad rabbis, one after another, say in the synagogue the Hagomel prayer. Uh, save, thanking God for saving your life and really meaning it. You know, that prayer, it, you're supposed to say it if you take an overseas trip and it's really pathetic because nobody, it's not really a, a risk to your life nowadays. Uh, except that maybe during COVID at a peak, I guess, but... Uh,
0: Women say it after childbirth as well It's considered a life-threatening situation, even though obviously not the way it used to be, but yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and now these rabbis meant it. And after i watched them all, dozen rabbis saying the Agomel prayer. Uh, When it came to the kiddush, they were dancing. Now Chabad rabbis dance, it happens. Uh, But they were dancing, singing, the song declaring it a holiday. And I came up to the rabbis after you know, what holiday is it? What are you declaring it a holiday? Is this for, you know, an early Purim? I said, no. uh, that it's like a situation of a little kid who wants a piece of candy and his father won't give him the candy. So a smart kid makes a blessing on the candy to force his father to give <laughs> it.
0: Not a wasted blessing.
1: Yeah. And they, so these, these yeah. rabbis, they were singing so that Hashem w- would make it into a holiday for them. And these are people who lost everything. And there they are singing. And, and so that left me with hope. That you know, h- how can we complain about anything anymore? I- I'm never going to complain. I'm hungry anymore. <laughs> never going to complain. I'm cold anymore. Okay. <laughs> right uh, after seeing the, the tremendous strength and faith uh, of the Chabad rabbis, um, that's so really
0: the, that's a beautiful perspective. And, I mean, they, really, they've had they've had some Israelis on the radio here who are there in Ukraine who went to visit. Young woman, they went to visit her grandmother and then they got stuck. So on the one hand, she said she's happy she's with her grandmother and her grandmother isn't alone, but they're scared and they can't get out and they're running out of medication and there isn't food. And it's a frightening situation.
1: Absolutely. And so uh, if I could put in one plug before we go here, I am going on a speaking tour from the 25th of March until the Passover Seder. Uh, March 31st, which is a Thursday night. Uh, I'm available in the New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia area. Uh, Might have some time left in LA and Chicago. So uh, I'm Gil, G-I-L at jpost.com. Thank you. All right,
0: everybody. And if you didn't catch that, you can write to me and I will pass it on to Gil. You have an opportunity to have the very Gil Hoffman in your own community. You maybe don't want to pass that up. Okay, Gil, well, thank you for sharing really a side to the story here that we're not hearing that much and, um, and about, you know, the people of faith and also just everybody coming together to help everybody. And that's, that's a beautiful side to a miserable situation. Um, so I'm glad you were there. I got, I'm glad you got home safely and were able to report some of the more poignant and personal side to this whole big mess, which hopefully will be over soon, whether through the mediation of our prime minister or not. Uh, hopefully they'll come to some resolution here and everybody will be able to go back home and peace will reign all over the earth sounds like i was at the kiddush with the chabad rabbis right <laughs>
1: what a beautiful way to, to, to end the interviewee oh, in
0: okay Gil hoffman political correspondent analyst for the jerusalem post straight really from from the border there with the ukraine okay take care Gil, and we will see you around eve harrow rejuvenation on the land of israel network that is it for tonight, everybody. Short and to the point. Take care and um, bye for now.
1: I won't be chased out of Kiryat Shmona because it's my home. In addition, my wife was disabled in the use of both legs by a Katyusha rocket attack. Despite all
0: that, I stay and will stay forever.
1: This week on The Jewish Story. As Yasser Arafat and the PLO were amassing troops along the border, the city of Kiryat Shmona was facing bombardment. It all came to a head with the assassination attempt against Israeli Ambassador Shlomo Argov, in 1982. With their ambassador critically ill in hospital after being shot in London last night, the Israelis have taken swift action in retaliation. The Lebanon War, Part 1 That's The Jewish Story with Rav Mike Foyer on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com